0: Hey, welcome to Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP. Today, we wonder when the MLB draft takes place. Celebrate the 4th of July with the New York Mets. And special guest, Adam Kaplan, contributor for Socks on 35th, talks about the Chicago White Sox and hip-hop. I'm going to ask you, what have you been drinking? You know I've been drinking. I'm drinking a delicious beer called table beer. It's something called a canned-conditioned Saison Ale from a good American local brewery called Three's Brewing in Brooklyn, New York. And as I was drinking this, I kept thinking, when in the world is the MLB draft? We, some of us watched the NBA draft about a week or like two weeks ago, actually. And I'm thinking, why isn't Major League Baseball draft a bigger deal? Do you even know when it takes place? I actually had to look this up. I knew it was sometime in July. It's tomorrow. On July 9th, on July 9th. To be fair, Major League Baseball has done a better job of trying to promote these young 18, 21 year old men becoming professional baseball players by making it a bigger deal with the combine and interviews and all this sort of stuff. But I think another problem with, with Major League Baseball draft is it's in the smack in the middle of the season, the week or a few days before the All-Star game, a few days before the futures game. And as a business process, you are unable to trade your draft picks for other players. You can trade a draft pick for an established star in the National Football League. You can trade two and three multiple future first round picks in the National Basketball Association for for a star. You can't do that in MLB. I think that's the last hurdle that MLB needs to do. To make this more relevant and make it an event, make it exciting. The NBA makes the the draft exciting in an event. The NFL makes their draft an event. You probably didn't know because I didn't know that the draft was exactly tomorrow on July 9th. Do you even know the order that the teams are going to pick? Yeah, I didn't either. I had to look it up. The top three teams are the Pittsburgh Pirates. Picking second, the Washington Nationals. And picking third, the Detroit Tigers. I think, and this is not breaking news, that the top two players being drafted tomorrow are going to be the LSU pitcher, Paul Skeens, who won every single award there is to win in, in, in college, bas- college baseball for pitchers. And the LSU outfielder, Dylan Cruz. Those of you who love college baseball know that LSU – rocked the University of Florida in the College World Series and they and they're the national champions. And if you want to know if you want to hear more about the the national champion LSU Tigers, I encourage you to go listen to episode 102 when I interviewed Jamie Tutko. That was a fun interview and I was happy I talked to him before the season before LSU became national champions. Congratulations to the Tigers. And besides drinking and not even bothering to know when the MLB draft was going to happen, What else did you do for the 4th of July? How did you celebrate America Independence Day? Happy birthday, USA. You know who's had a really good 4th of July weekend? The New York Mets. They've won six games in a row since that press conference with the New York Mets owner, Uncle Steve, Steve Cohen, talking about we're going to keep things level-headed. We aren't going to lose our mind. We got it. We have to perform better. I loved it. So even keel. And I think that probably calmed down the coaches, the players, and it, they went out. And right now, they're out West. They swept the first-place Arizona Diamondbacks of the National League West. They beat the San Diego Padres. They beat the San, uh, San Francisco Giants to start this six-game win streak. I don't think the Mets are going to catch the Atlanta Braves this year. But at this point, with the bloated, expanded playoffs, you just need to get into the tournament. Do I think the New York Mets are going to make it to the playoffs? I genuinely think they're going to do it. They have, there is going to be a heck of a show trying to chase down the Miami Marlins, the Philadelphia Phillies, whoever doesn't win the National League West, whether it's the Diamondbacks or the LA Dodgers. But the New York Mets have the horses to do this. We'll see if they do it. And tears to Uncle Steve. By the way, can you imagine what kind of Fourth of July party Uncle Steve threw? The guy's a gazillionaire who knows what which one of his 1200 houses around the world he threw his fourth of july party i'm gonna keep drinking and if you and as i do this you're more than welcome to follow us on social media a picture of my drink is always on instagram and twitter are you on scribble it's not called scribble it's called threads and no we are not on threads and for the foreseeable future we will not be on threads because we don't have time for that but if you are on threads Awesome. And this week's episode is not brought to you by Threads. It's brought to you by Warehouse. Not Ware as in W-A-R-E, but W-H-E-R-E House. This dollar-a-day video features great movie entertainment from the Warehouse, where all beta and VHS movies are just a dollar a day each visit. And remember to visit our newest stores in Mesa, 35th Avenue, and Thunderbird in West Camelback. We just talked about the Diamondbacks uh, getting swept by the New York Mets, maybe you should go to the warehouse in West Camelback, Arizona, and not watch any of the games that the Diamondbacks may be losing and just have a great movie entertainment day. That's what 4th of July weekend is all about. By the way, what a weird weekend that was, right? We get Saturday and Sunday. Your normal your normal Saturday and Sunday off, you have to work Monday, and then you get Tuesday off, and then you have to go back to work on Wednesday. Um, I think that we should just stop this nonsense Make the 4th of July a long, a truly long weekend. Let's make it four or five days. And also, the Monday after the Super Bowl, a holiday as well. Do you agree with me? I think so. I'm going to keep enjoying this drink. And I think you're also going to enjoy our next guest. This week, I'm pleased to have Adam Kaplan, a contributor at Sox on 35th, as our special guest. Adam, welcome to Hipster Baseball Podcast. Hey Dorian, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Let me ask you a curveball of a question: Have you ever seen Dylan Cease and Spencer Strider in the same room? I have not. It's a. I've seen Dylan Cease pitch, so but, uh, not, with, is, not with Strider. This is my this is my conspiracy theory that Dylan Cease and Spencer Strider is the same person. They look almost exactly alike. I think he, the one person who is both Dylan Cease slash Spencer Strider, has a slightly different deliverable. Delivery, but I think they're the same person.
1: It's a good theory, although, man, his arm is probably destroyed at this point. I love I love Dylan Cease now for, yeah, he's been with
0: the White Sox, I think, for like three or four years. And the the pitcher for the Chicago White Sox and Spencer Strider, obviously, is the strikeout machine with the Atlanta Braves. But here we are. You are a big, you're I think you're a, like a lifelong Chicago White Sox fan. I look at the Chicago White Sox. I've loved them since the 2020 COVID shortened season. We have the center fielder, Luis Robert Jr., not even in the prime of his life. He's 25 years old. He's had the best season of his career so far because he's been healthy. You look at the the pitchers, the starting pitchers they have, Michael Kopech, Luis Gialito, and Dylan Cease. And what makes my heart the happiest this year, they got rid of Tony LaRusso. But here we are, basically in July, double digits below 500. What in the world is going on
1: with the White Sox in this awful American League Central Division? How much time do you have go for it my friend <laughs> um the the larger issue with the white Sox is that it's a terrible organization so it starts at the top with uh jerry Reinsdorf, who's on the team for forever he also owns the bulls and if you're anyone who's a bulls fan knows it's not like that organization is going anywhere either he got lucky that he he bought the team with michael jordan already on it luckiest friggin' owner and he's just he's awful at his job and our gm is rick han who's been there for forever and kenny williams who helped with the 2005 team got promoted and they've all just been there for forever and oh it's just i was listening to the podcast you did with the the rockies fan um a couple weeks ago and it's like you know that spider-man meme of them like staring at each other is like when he was talking about his owner like why the Rockies are bad I was yeah. like same it's the, the larger concern uh, is that this team just cannot develop players and it's just I don't know if it's just a lackadaisical approach from Jerry Reinsdorf or incompetence in the front office or what have you but the larger issue is that they can't develop players and when you do that I mean, it's tough for any team to win if you don't do that. But you can maybe get around it by supplementing it with high-priced free agents, which Jerry Reinsdorf then refuses to do. It's, uh, you know, if you're going to spend money on a player, it's a catcher like Yasmani yeah, Grandal at the time got the highest contract, which you know was was fine, but the high. Tier of a catcher isn't going to be the same thing as a high tier of like an elite outfielder, like Aaron Judge, who was a free agent recently. And we recently got Liam Hendricks from the A's, who we paid him a lot of money. But again, paying a lot of money for a closer isn't the same thing as paying for money for a high priced third baseman. So if you're not going to supplement this team with players who are already excellent to make up for the lack of depth and the lack of development from these players, then you're just going to have mediocrity and it spreads. And then combine that with the fact is, you know, sometimes players have bad seasons and if you can't develop a minor league system to maybe replace that bad player, or if there's injuries, it's just going to spiral out of control. And it, it all stems from just a lack of intelligence at the top, a poor approach to developing players. I, I very
0: much agree with you, where the rot starts at the top, and I think unfortunately in Major League Baseball, and you can probably say the same thing for all of the major, the four major professional sports in North America, is more often than not there are more bad or negligent owners than there are good active owners. When I managed to catch some White Sox game, and this is this was more from last year, but well, we in 2023, last year it was sometimes painful to watch with all of the ridiculous errors. I think they had, if they didn't have the worst by metrics. Just by visuals, they had the absolute worst defense the last year. This year has gotten a little bit better, but I have seen some like ridiculous base running blunders and silly errors. And it's just frustrating when you have this beautiful team supposedly led by Tim Anderson. And it's it's so underperforming. the, the, the American League Central for me is there for the taking. But yeah, there, there's too many structural issues, as you had mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, the lack of fundamentals on this team, and it's it's not even just Pedro Gafal, who's the current manager. It's when Tony Larusa was there, there was issues with um, Ricky Renteria before. Like within this four-year span of supposedly this contention window, the amount of dumb errors this team has is really frustrating. And the fact that you have three managers and players are still doing this just again is just a failure at the top and a failure to develop players properly. I was watching a game, and I've admittedly not watched as many games as I had the past couple years because this team is so frustrating. But there was a game in which the White Sox were up, like I can't even remember the opponent now, they were up 4 nothing. And the aforementioned Dylan Teese was pitching, he was pitching a, a gem. I'm like, okay, the White Sox are actually going to win this game. It's awesome. And there's a, a pop-up literally right in front of catcher Yasmani Grandal. And third baseman Jake Berger is, like, running towards it. And I don't know what happened, but Berger doesn't get to it. And then Grundahl just stands there. And the ball literally drops right in front of Like, oh. So, okay, then Dylan Cease then ends up pitching to, like, another three batters. Luckily, gets out of the inning. But then the next inning, because he put so much strain on his arm, just gets rocked. And it was like 4-2 of the opponent and then eventually gets to 4-4 it's like oh my god i can't believe this dumb white Sox team let this team their, their opponent into the game elvis andrews is on third and the catcher had the ball and does the most literally play where he pretends to throw it to the second baseman because i think maybe robert was like running or something and friggin' elvis andrews who's on third falls for it and then the catcher didn't have the ball threw him out at third and that was possibly the winning run maybe we could have at least won five four so just emblematic of just a dumb dumb team i think this was the texas rangers series that that sounds right i think that was
0: last the rangers were in town in chicago last week yeah Yeah. oh
1: it was it was it's so brutal it's so frustrating watching this team and you know going back to the lack of development you're talking about poor defense last year so last year we had andrew vaughn and gavin sheets play a lot of the corners because of oh man injury. i think like aj pollock ended up having to play center field because luis was out and eloy was injured so was like we don't even have competent people who could fill in a corner infield their spot so you have these two first basemen who have like barely played any outfielder in their life just forced to be in their corners and then shockingly They were not good. Gavin Sheets was bad, and Andrew Vaughn was literally the absolute worst defender in 2022. Again, it all stems from when you can't develop players, you don't have players in the minor league who can even fill in in some areas, and it just leads to players playing out of position, and it just it spirals into mediocrity. You know, I think we need to pick me up here in this conversation because
0: Chicago is a beautiful city. The White Sox, the White Sox with White Sox this year. Let me ask you another question: What is your walk-up song if i restricted you just to hip-hop
1: oh i mean it would have been hip-hop no matter what it's um in paris by uh kanye and jay-z just like dun 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 dun, dun. ball so hard want to find me yeah just that that part of just the, the ball so hard part of, of paris uh, that shit always got to be going how i came across you was i read that article that you wrote
0: i think it was last year on the on the on the Venn diagram of hip-hop and the Chicago White Sox and I found that really interesting but my takeaway from that article was that artists like Dr. Dre and a lot of these West Coast hip-hop artists were like they weren't actually white White Sox fan they were just like wow we just love the fact that they wear black and white and they were and they and the White Sox at that time and still do have the old English
1: that's logo. right yeah, it was. It's really interesting. I, when um, Ice Cube was promoting the um, Straight Outta Compton movie, he was like the White Sox had just changed their logo to that classic SOX old English font. They changed it. They I think it was like a um, red, white, and blue was their color scheme, and they changed it to this black and white. And they were just like, "This is so dope." So then you have um, Dr. Dre now in um, the Ain't Nothing But a G Thing video rocking that black white Sox hat and you know him and nwa were just like this is such a dope logo and it came at a point where hip-hop is like really starting to take off in the mainstream like dr dre and nwa specifically really started to push the genre forward and like you saw it in sales like the sales of white Sox gear like skyrocketed And I remember that article, I think, posted at the same time that the White Sox City Connect uniforms had just come out as well. And it's kind of that other blend of hip hop and culture and baseball where Tim Anderson was like talking about how he had a say in designing the the uniform. And then I think, I don't know if everyone City Connect uniforms been released yet, but out of all of them, White Sox are clearly at the top, if not the very best one, in part because of hip hop culture. And so it's just, it's this confluence of events. You know, the White Sox are on the, the south side of Chicago, not north side, where there's more black neighborhoods. But it's, regardless of the color, it's just that ethos of like that underdog mentality that I feel like hip hop for the longest time was like perpetuating. And it's just, socks and, and hip hop are just like this perfect fit of culture. I love that you brought that up because I didn't, I, in this
0: podcast, not on a weekly basis, but very frequently, I love doing segments on the City Connect uh, uniform. And I completely agree with you. I think the Chicago White Sox hit a home run with their City Connect uniform that came out. It was just all black with white pinstripes and the old English font. It's fantastic. And I think that baseball and sports as a whole misses the fashion angle of merchandise, of being of these owners being businessmen, or even maybe the owner, but like Major League Baseball Commissioner and whoever does the the product for MLB. When I think of two teams, the New York Yankees and Los Angeles Dodgers, you go to Singapore, you go to Manchester, England, you go to Paris, you go to Alexandria, Egypt. You'll see people wearing that LA blue cap or the dark navy blue NY interconnected one. These people are not baseball fans they just like the way it looks it's free advertisement for those two clubs and it drives me crazy that these other clubs in major league baseball they don't even consider that like why don't we
1: do something that people who have no interest in baseball will help put money in our pockets there's a a contingent i follow on twitter that's like really into hats like that's definitely a thing is like the collection of hats and It's so interesting, like how many different types of like baseball hats you can find of any particular team. And some people would just buy everything, but it's like there are some really god awful looking hats, and there's some like atrocious looking, like inappropriate looking hats. And it's like they MLB does it solely because like oh here's a new hat that'll maybe make me like the reason the All Stars. You know if like have their own uniforms it's just it's all money making and there's so there's oftentimes so little thought put into it and the ability to just like make something cool and dope like just goes a long way and i think you saw it immediately i just the the Sox city connect uniform was just such a good example it especially among the Sox fans that i follow on twitter it was just i gotta i gotta got it we're gonna find it that's a dope jersey and it's, it's comfortable too and it sold out so quickly because it was, and I don't know how other organizations are, but like the South Side is going to remain like a good jersey for a long time for the the White Sox because of just how cool it is. Yeah, I didn't like that this year. then the past month,
0: the Baltimore Orioles and the Cincinnati Reds basically came out with the exact same City Connect uniform, with the Baltimore Orioles being slightly different, having like a little background color, but they're all black. And like, there might have been trying to tap back into the coolness of the Chicago White Sox, but I'm like, this is not this, these aren't good uniforms for the city, it's Cincinnati Reds or the Baltimore Orioles.
1: The Cubs, I feel like, tried to knock off the White Sox because White Sox that had South Side on it. That was just so a, awful. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, the fact that it didn't even like the so the Cubs play in, in Lakeview and it just said Wrigleyville on it. I was like, okay, well that's that's dumb. Come on, guys, it's. I don't I honestly I mean I don't know how many of the other players like were able to contribute to their own uniforms but it really does feel like Tim Anderson had a lot of say in it and like I have a a TA hat it's around here somewhere that like I really like he's got a seven logo and it's just sometimes players just like really know like what's cool (laughs) like Tim Anderson, we were lucky we had a cool player like Tim Anderson who like knows what's up and like had a say in it because Pittsburgh, the the PGH, it's just like this. It seems so, so lazy, guys. Let's put some thought into it. Like, even I know, like again, going back to the, the um, when you're talking about the Rockies, I think that's at least interesting. Like, okay, we're going to use the license plate logo. I hate like, that uniform. You, you know, you, I think They're we can get like that. But like, I at least like appreciate like the Nationals with the um the flowers. I was the, like, cherry, least, the cherry blossoms. Yeah, I was like, at least you're you're putting some thought into it, versus some were just like they're just complete duds. My last point for this fashion, basically for baseball,
0: is two things. I think minor league teams have they not only just have more leeway, but they're I think more more creative when it comes to having these hats. A lot of times they're like silly, which is really great. But I'm talking about hiring actual designers for Major League Baseball. Like, let's make something cool and frankly let's make something that females would want to wear because if you get the females in it again they females love the la dodgers and new york yankees hat they they don't they couldn't tell you a difference between a balk and a ball
1: you know don't don't quote me on this i could have sworn i saw something that like females are like part of the fastest growing fans of mlb and part of the reason it's like growing even better but i mean i can't speak for other fan bases like some of the smartest people i follow on twitter are female writers like i'm not going to disparage them there's some like, great fans yeah. my wife is not one of those people yeah. she she is one of those people who can't tell but like yeah again the an nfl i know really is a bad at doing this like don't just make it pink it's like it's for the ladies like if you really want to get them involved like have some sort of fashion sense to it and it's probably a whole bunch of dudes in the room it's like yep, yeah, throw in some pink that's all good it's really silly again this is a blind spot in
0: for major league baseball and of course they're not going to listen to this and they don't care because they are making enough money tell us how you came across to being a lifelong Chicago White Sox fan
1: so it's funny you say that I actually am not a hundred percent a lifelong White Sox fan because uh so my parents are from the Boston area and my dad was born and raised in Boston. So he was uh, born a Red Sox fan, basically. Came over to grad school in the South Side of Chicago and, like, not only was on the South Side, but was an AL fan at a time where there was, there was a distinction between the AL and NL. So he kind of semi adopted the Sox. Moved back to Boston, met my mom um, for his job when I was very little. Uh, I was like, writings on the wall for his current place. We were living in the Boston area, moved to Illinois when I was three. And lived in Illinois since. And, you know, the only baseball, I shouldn't say the only baseball, there were two baseball towns where you could have chosen from. And it's like, now we're going to be a White Sox fan. And so I went to games like every now and then and it was fine. But I didn't really become like a true diehard until 2005, where not only was there that great White Sox season where they won it all, but uh, I had also read the book, Michael Lewis's Moneyball, which kind of just like at the time, like really blew my mind so for a while i was like a, a i was a fan of both Soxes but then over time just like red sox fans were such assholes and i was like i really don't want to be a part of this like fan base anymore uh so i kind of just stopped
0: there, i think there's something about the northeast in the united states where you're only happy when you're miserable so if you're winning, it seems very—it's like grading. Unless you also you're like a Yankee fan because they're the only ones that are that slightly different, where they don't like to wallow in the misery like a New York Mets fan or the Philadelphia Phillies or even the Boston Red Sox. The Yankees are obnoxious when they expect to win everything, but I feel you about the the Red Sox fan being
1: since since like I was watching TV and with the that great Red Sox Yankee series in in 04, where the Red Sox would come back from. um down three and like i remember being super excited because like, that was crazy nothing like that had ever happened before but like since then you know with the patriots and the red sox and like then the bruins and the, the celtics well you, the celtics, celtics haven't won anything since 2008 i
0: think but still they've been in the final but, but, but
1: around that time in the mid-2000s where like it just felt like boston could do nothing but win i'm like you guys need to act like you've been there before a little bit like i get it's been tough i 100 percent as a as a chicago fan i get that it's been tough but, like, let's calm down a little bit. But there's just, just kind of like a, you think you're better than me? Like, ethos that I feel like Boston has that it, it just got too out of control. And I was like, I don't, I don't really want to be a part of this fan base anymore. I'm going to say that the Boston Red
0: Sox are like Yeezy Kanye West. You loved him for a certain time, and then he just kind of went off the rails being buttholes, as you said. And I would say Chicago White Sox fans are, like, common I love Common. I think he's underrated. One of my favorite all-time, I think it's still a hip-hop album, is Go that came out in two thousand and six, two thousand and seven.
1: That would be my analogy for these, these uh, fan bases. I, I need to think about it because I feel like you need to have like for the White Sox like a rapper who's like terrible and then has like an all amazing just like all-star record and then uh-huh. it's terrible again. Wait, that's not common, but yeah, I think he's yeah, more right, that. It's, not, it's it's not common, but. Actually, Kanye West is a good one where it's like fun to root for at the beginning and you're a little bit of an underdog, but now definitely can't root what, for And you know what? Now that you think about this, I'm thinking about this. What the heck is up with Chicago
0: artists? Because you have Kanye West and you kind of feel guilty ex- enjoying some of his earlier works, which was brilliant. And the the artist who shall not be named R. Kelly from Chicago. Is it, is it the Chicago weather that
1: drives hip hop artists crazy into a different realm? I think that's just like Atlanta just took it over. We're like after the like I feel like Childish Gambino and like Migos like became big. It's just like everything else is kind of just by the wayside. I don't know, man. It's true. Like Chicago's got to bring it back. We gotta bring back good hip hop again.
0: Yeah, these older guys have uh they've they've done they've gone through the whole through the whole cycle, but any anyway, just to stay stick here with the hip-hop, where does your love of hip hop come from?
1: And I was thinking about this so I remember i don't know if you remember those like vh1 lists that they would like air all the time of like the hundred greatest songs oh of like a right, right around 2000s when everything yeah. was like a countdown yeah exactly and i because like for the longest time like i feel like i was so sheltered in my music like my parents were some like the zombies and just like really classic on the radio and then like i remember when trl came out or like i had heard about trl rather it just like blew my mind and um it's like that in VH1 so like a lot of the, like those classic like Tupac and biggie songs that became hits, I was like, okay, this is awesome. And then I remember seeing my name is when I must have been like 11 years mm-hmm. old and I was like, "What is this?" And I convinced my mom to get me that that record. It's um Marshall Mathers LP or that's Slim that's Shady right. LP. I can't remember which one Eminem's first. And uh, my mom, like, I had to get the censored version, but even the censored version still had, like, a decent amount of swears in it. And I was like, oh, this is exciting. I'm, like, 12, and I got to hear shit. Yeah, it's a Shady album. Yeah. Okay. So those first couple Eminem albums were, like, really excellent. But then moving over to Kanye and Jay-Z, then also, like, realizing uh, I listened to Raising Hell, Run DMC, I'm like, okay, this is just fantastic. And started going down that old school rabbit hole.
0: I remember hip hop when in the 80s, hip hop was like spoken. They would, they they wouldn't, it was, everything was like talking. And then in the 90s, I don't know who changed it, but somebody, I, I, somebody changed it from just talking over beats to actually
1: rhyming. It was a tremendous leap for. Yeah. I feel like once like Tupac really got Tupac and Nas really started getting into it, it's like, oh, this is like true poetry where you can have a lot of fun with it. And there was some meaningful stuff. And then obviously I think Dr. Dre and NWA helped, you know, bring back full circle. I think really helped it's like once it's really started going mainstream and there started being messages and artists really had something to say that I think it took a leap forward. Right now you're writing for the socks
0: on socks on 35th. I don't know if your next phase in your career is going to be the the Rick Rubin of Chicago, but I'm going to take you away from socks on 35th. I'm going to take away from hip hop, and I'm going to anoint you as the new Major League Baseball Commissioner. What's one or two things you want to change for the better, or at least for the better for you, for baseball?
1: Yeah, the first thing, if I'm Commissioner, is um, eliminating blackouts. Like, if you want to buy MLB TV or whatever, just like there's no reason to have blackouts like part of the reason like if you want the sport to grow even more you need to allow people to watch your product i have a lot of f- followers who are like from uh iowa who as a state don't have a, a team but a lot of them then will adopt the white Sox and then they'll get blacked out because oh iowa's too close to chicago and therefore you should watch it on your local tv and they're like well what the heck I, it's not on my local tv i live too far away um the notion of any sort of blackouts is just ridiculous the chicago blackhawks for like right before they got good in 2010 had a terrible owner who would like blackout games on tv and then he died and his kids were like okay well this is dumb we're ending that we're putting games on tv and then combined with the fact they got like patrick kane and 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 jonathan taze and got good again but like the ability to just watch your sport and especially now in the streaming area where like everyone expects to be able to watch everything all the time just stop disallowing people to watch games it's let them watch games and especially for for fans who who are who supposedly can watch on their tv and can't um the second one and i don't know if i have this power as commissioner but i just think it'll be more fun for the sport if there was a salary floor because part of the problem with so many of these franchises is they're run by cheapskates, even though they're literal billionaires who like get money from other teams because they cry poverty and then don't put any money into the product on the field and it just it stinks for the fan bases um like if you're Oakland right now you're I mean pissed for them for mo- litany of reasons but like I think like uh Max Scherzer is like a bigger contract than their team combined or something like that like that's that's absolutely ridiculous um there's so many loyal fans who like love to watch their team and owners who who refuse to put a good product on the field to just they should be forced to sell the team like even though the Mets are terrible at least Steve Cohen's trying man I agree
0: with you It where Hal Steinbrenner one of the family owners of the New York Yankees made this point, I think a week or two ago, he didn't specifically name the owner of the Oakland Athletics, John, uh, John Fisher, but he let it known is like, why is it that aren't people aren't investing in their product? Because ultimately, it, as you said, it drags the whole product down.
1: Yeah. I think when Steve Cohen was um, first, um, you know, like the MLB owners have to vote him in, and I think it's like a handful of teams that said no, and I'm almost pretty sure Jerry Reinsdorf was one of those teams because he's like, this mofo is going to like drive up prices. Of he's players, a hater. I don't want that. Um, and like teams like the Royals, I'm pretty sure the A's, and I think it's like – The Tampa
0: like, Bay Rays, I'm sure, with Stu's – Yeah, uh, yeah he, and I'm, I wouldn't even be surprised with the Miami Marlins as well. I was going to say the, the Marlins They're for, for J- the Jeter got fired. Or... Well, I didn't get fired, but it was more of a – well, what is it? The mutual parting of ways. <laughs> so it basically <laughs> means you're fired.
1: I mean, kudos to a team like Tampa, who's like, at least to their credit, is like, no, he doesn't putting... put any money in that
0: team. He puts money. He does put money in the front office, analytics, and minor league, absolutely. But big league, he doesn't put money in it, and the stadium is horrible.
1: Yeah, like that. If, if but I would so many times would rather be a fan of the Rays because they're just so good, man. And at least they like, and Cleveland's a little bit like this too, although not this year, but like, like mainly the Rays of just like. I get it that it sucks. They should spend money. Like, if they had just spent money on like one or two like legit free agents, that team would probably win the World Series as opposed to just getting close. But at least to their credit, like they're making the playoffs like each and every year. Like, if you're a fan of the, of the Rays, then like at least you're watching a good product. Like, ever since the Evan Longoria era. But yeah, man, just the Marlins, man. I remember like one, two friggin' World Series and then just gutted the team each time to not put money into this. It's like if you don't love baseball and you don't like want to see the team win then sell the freaking team there's more than plenty of billionaires in this country who will buy it from you and you will make a profit or I'll buy it for k- straight cash hundred dollars
0: right now baby like whatever like they, they love losing money anyways they're always crying they losing money so give it up
1: yeah Jerry Reinsorf is, is always crying poor and it's like okay well if if you really hate this team and you're really losing money sell the team sell it to a, a guarantee there will be a player who who would want it more he bought it for like 19000 dollars or something in like the 80s. It he more than will make his money back. And these owners who just refuse to put a product on the field should just kick him out, man. You know what you know what it is? is
0: they say that they lose money on baseball operations. They never say that though, but they never take into account money that comes in that the players don't get. That's that's gatekeeped from the the players when it's you're talking about the gambling stuff, the real, the every, now every team is a real estate company and they don't want to share that. And so they don't even put that into, into context. So they're like, Oh, we're losing money. Dot, dot, dot on the baseball
1: operations. These owners who, who cry poor and like, just refuse to put any money is it's ridiculous. And it's also like, even though the Padres aren't doing well right now, the fact that they have an exciting product on the field has led them to like Love that amazing owner. record attendance. Like, in 2021, when the White Sox were were, were very good and the, and the Cubs weren't, like there was all these statistics, on like these random, like the most license plates that were sold that year of like different teams' fans. Like Sox love the list. Like when the White Sox are good, people will buy in. And I remember in like uh, I think it was like 2015, where they did like a soft rebuild, and they um, during free agency got a whole bunch of like players. And I remember it's like ticket sales and season ticket sales skyrocketed because, like, oh, this team's trying. They're going to be awesome. So, like, okay, we're buying Milky Cabrera, too. Like, when the White Sox are good and, like, clearly are trying, they can own this city. And we'll never be, like, a Sox city the way, like, it's a Cub city. But, like, Chicago loves baseball. And if Jerry Reinsdorf, like, cared about this team and, like, cared about the on-field success, he could make so much money and he doesn't. And it's so aggravating. He makes you money, just so money. much
0: more money, so much more
1: money. That's true. Yeah. It's it's so it's so short sighted of him. He has a, a famous quote of like, "I want the team to always finish second, so that way they're still good, but there's a carrot that they can get any better." And it's like, okay, well, that's the asshole who's running this team. Of like, man, I I, I wish I could like love the White Sox and like not give a cent to Jerry Reinsdorf. It's myself. Like, I love going to games. I love baseball yeah.
0: games. Two teams come to mind when it comes to, as you had mentioned, the San Diego Padres. I don't know who it was with the Padres, but this came out in a quote where the San Diego Padres said that they were printing money because they were selling out every single home game. And obviously, whatever they have around the Pepco field is just also just booming. And the Atlanta Braves are also printing money. These two teams have poured money into their to their stars, their club. The Atlanta Braves have that real estate right around Truist Park. They they have so much money. Other owners, Rhinestar, for example, have like no, let's not do that. The Chicago Cubs, the what's the family, the Rick, uh, the, the Ricketts, uh, the Ricketts. They're whole, they're building the whole thing as a real estate now, where they have the gambling site, they have bars, because they see what the Atlanta Braves have done, they see what the San Diego Padres do. They're probably just doing the real estate play, but they're not putting the best product on the field on the north side of where where the Cubs play.
1: Yeah, and the Riggins can get away with it a little bit because there's just so many Cubs fans that they'll always be able to get at least some sort of crowd. It is kind of frustrating that the area around um 35th and Shields where the Sox play isn't as developed. You still can find some cool places and still find some cool places to eat and drink. But uh Man, if if Jerry Reinsdorf had any sort of foresight, he also would have bought some area around the park and, and built it up just like a little bit. And I got there's there's homes like it's it's in the middle of Bridgeport, but you know what I mean? Like there's literally apartments right next to Wrigley Field too. So like you can make it happen if you wanted to. Absolutely, I, I'm
0: loving these two suggestions that you have as commissioner. So you get thumbs up from me. You have a hundred percent approval rating from one of your constituents. At
1: least excellent. Thank you so much. And speaking of
0: staying in the city, as you said, Chicago. Chicago is a beautiful city. I love Chicago. I love going in the summer. I have, thank God, never been in Chicago between the months of like November and March. But if someone wants to go to see a White Sox game, where besides watching obviously a baseball game and unfortunately putting money in Reinsdorf's pocket, what other places can a a baseball fan or even a tourist in Chicago go for a good coffee, a good drink, good food in the Chicago area?
1: I will say like the downside of this is that you're putting money in Jerry's pocket, but Chicago has done a really good job of having excellent food options within the park. The food and drink options have gotten so much better in like the past five or 10 years. They have this baller like a steak and chimichurri sauce sandwich. That's really good. If you don't want to put money in his pocket, which 100% uh, I'm all for, there's a place right down the street called Freddy's. I don't know if you remember your mean Mercedes. He had like an awesome two months for the Sox in the beginning of. Yes, I love
0: it, and and they they named a some some burger joint named a burger after him. Yeah, I love so, your mean, but I said what you can have to tell me what happened to him afterwards, please. But go, yeah. give us your suggestions.
1: Uh, but yeah, this place, Freddy's, had this your mean Mercedes burger. It's like a couple blocks down the park. Get there a little bit early. It's a legit incredible burger. It's got a little bit of like a Caribbean flair to it. It's it's real good. So you can go there and then go to the park. I'll still ride for Lumonatis. I know it's like a touristy thing to say, and I know the, like the a lot of Chicagoans are like, oh, you got to go to Pequod's or you got to go to Oven Grinder. Like this stuff is like, if you're like only going to Chicago for like a long weekend, I'm a hundred percent for going to Lumonatis and trying to piece. I really love their deep dish. Let's see, if you want, uh, something. it's like Chicago's such a great food city. You literally like name any type of food, and I can find you a great place. Um, the socks are really close to Chinatown so like it's a couple stops uh, away if you just like literally throw a rock and just get some like great noodles anywhere in Chinatown if you're looking for more of like a diners drive-ins and dive site place there is a place literally featured on Triple D it's called Del Sol it's like this Asian fusion place that like I absolutely love they have supposedly like one. I've never been there because I can't afford to. But they have a three-star Michelin restaurant called Alinea that everyone raves about. So like, if you got money to burn and you want to try an incredible restaurant, you can go there. But like, literally, you can probably Google like great Chicago restaurants in my neighborhood, and there's like there's so many, and there are there's so many fantastic ones. If you're looking for something to drink, I really recommend uh, Logan Square's Revolution Brewery. I don't know if, if they're kind of bigger now, but they were kind of smaller when they were first starting out. And Logan Square is just like really fun, younger, hipster-ish neighborhood that has um, a tap room right in the center of it from Revolution that has an excellent beer selection. So if you just want to chill and get drinks, can't recommend that place enough.
0: Yeah, I, I, I did I did go to a brewery in Chicago. It was closer to downtown. And I loved the food and the art. I'm a big fan of art in Wicker Park. I love that area. I, mean, I got some great greek food at wicker park last year it was fantastic
1: yeah you can even weirdly greek food is like the one of the types of food like i'm not a fan of chicago's greek town food i was like oh man can i feel like none of these places make a really great euro which is i feel like the like the quintessential like when you're looking for greek food but yeah i mean wicker park's a great neighborhood and anything with park i feel like it's just gonna be a great neighborhood in chicago that's true i can't wait to go back
0: in the summertime never in the winter
1: i was gonna say i had um when one of my kids was born i had family come and visit me and it was like november and they're like what are we gonna do it's like i get you want to see the kids but you came at like a really bad time like we ended up going to like the art museum which is chicago's got a great art museum but it's like so many options are limited guys sorry yeah the i love the art institute of chicago as well as the
0: Contemporary art museum, which is just north of it, closer to the the rich area, the golden triangle. What's it called? Um Gold Coast. Gold Coast, yeah. It's the the, the Mika or the Mike the Miko, the Miko, the mika anyways. Um, I've been there a few times. I love it. My last, last question. What happened to Yermin Mercedes? Because I loved him for those two months that he was just scorching hot and Antonio La Russa just killed his confidence last year.
1: Uh the truth of the matter is that he never like was all that good to begin with. He was just, it mainly was just lightning in a bottle. Um, I think, you know, that that famous, infamous dust up of Tony LaRusso yelled at him when he got a 3 1 Ephes right down the middle and he hit a homer. It was like really dumb. It was like, this is why you don't hire like a 105 year old manager to run your baseball team. Um, but t- the truth of the matter is that like uh, he couldn't hit fastballs or like he couldn't, what was it? He couldn't hit breaking stuff. I can't, one of the two. And it's just like, it was so easy to get him out that it's like, oh yeah, this is why like you weren't really a prospect. Like he just got on the team because the Elo Jimenez injury in spring training, and it was so fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. And I still have love in my heart for him. He like started off his career with like five or eight straight hits or something like against the angels. It was great. But yeah. Ultimately he, uh, he got caught and, and, and
0: pitchers figure out how to pitch to him. The next time I go to a white Sox game, I want to go to, what is it, Freddy's, the burger place? Yeah, go to Freddy's. And I'm going to order, see if they still have it on the menu. They probably stu- still do, but with a different name, the, the Mercedes. Yeah. They hamburger. should have changed it
1: to the Jake Burger. But like some other dumb oh, restaurant yeah. like took it last year for like a little bit, and I was like, I don't know, Freddy's is, is better than whatever some random place chose the Jake Burger. But literally, they should have just changed it to the Jake Burger, and it, it would have been awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a lost marketing opportunity there. Stupid baseball. But <laughs> It's funny how you said that the food options at the stadium it's, have improved. I actually went there like uh, 10 years ago when Alcides Escobar was still on the team and I thought the food options were pretty good as well. And I, and actually the funny thing is I've been to the see the White Sox. I haven't been to, to Wrigley Field
1: yet. You know, it, this is going to be maybe a controversial take. I really hate Wrigley Field. Um I'm also not a fan of um Oh, the frigging Red Sox, who's for some reason name has just escaped me. These older parks. Fenway Park. Thank you. friggin' Fenway Park. So especially for like a suburban like myself, getting to Wrigley is a giant pain in the butt because they don't have a parking lot. So if I want to drive down there, even though it's technically closer than Guaranteed Rate Field for me, um, I have to go in traffic, park at some random lot that's like a mile away, get on a bus and go to the stadium, or I have to drive down... the purple line take the purple line to the red line and then gets me off at the stadium like it's a pain in the butt for to get to wrigley and then they have these um i feel like you say in the wrong space you literally will have a giant pole in your way because it's an old freaking stadium and it's like this is just one of the things like when i've visited a lot of baseball parks over the past few years and it's just give me a park where i can see the entire field wherever i sit basically i feel like that shouldn't be too much of an ask but like it is for like a bunch of stadiums and then wrigley's got like these weird p troughs for dudes it's uh i find the stadium to be a mess and i think the food options are, are garbage i really hate like i have like friends who are a cubs fans like oh it's so historic and it's so great and like if you're like just visiting i get it there is like a mystique to it with the ivy and stuff but as someone who lives here i friggin hate wrigley field
0: my last thing about stadiums i actually think that the, that lone depot park in miami is underrated I love the concourse that they have. You can watch the game as you're walking through the concourse. Team isn't good. We already said the ownership is blah, but they did a really good job on that. even though they completely screwed over the taxpayers for that. The uh, the monstrosity is that that spaceship that, that we have in uh, in, in, in downtown Miami. Does Miami, Miami
1: have uh, uh, swimming pools in their park, like the Jacksonville Stadium in uh, football? They used to have... That, the, I would love to see a game of this swimming pool.
0: Just like you know, because you know Arizona has the swimming pool, the hot sauna, whatever. But the, the Lone Depot Park, when it used to be called, I don't know what they used. They used to have a club out in left field, and there they used to have a have a hot tub. But I think the new ownership, especially Derek Jeter, he shut it down. Because, you know, he's too corporate button up. I always thought that Derek Jeter with the Miami Marlins was just a, such a bad fit. You had this button up conservative dude. He's not from New York. He's from the Midwest. But, he, you know, he spent 20 years in New York. And he's like, dude, you don't understand Miami at all. But GM,
1: Ken Ning is, is a Chicago girl from the White Sox. And she's doing a pretty good job with the yeah. team so far.
0: Yeah, but she's not doing she. But she wasn't like the president of baseball operations, also doing the business right. part of it. She's she's making sure the product on the field is somewhat good with the re, with the restrained budget that she has. Nevertheless, Adam, I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I want to, I want you to let us know where we can read your work, where we can find you on social media, and follow the White Sox in, in their journey finding themselves in twenty twenty
1: three. Yeah, thanks, Herb Man. I really appreciate it. Um, follow me on Twitter at. Millennial Socks S-O-X, all one word. Um, and you I write for a blog called Socks on 35th. Find them on Twitter at Socks on 35th. You Google my name, socks on 35th, Adam Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N. You're gonna find a whole bunch of articles I've written. Uh, I've written a whole lot of like weirdly about like Andrew Vaughn over the past couple of years. So if you search like my name Andrew Vaughn, you're gonna find a whole bunch. Um, by the time this drops, it'll either just released or soon to be released. We're going to have a Lucas Giolito trade mailbag deadline. And I uh, got an article in the works on Sox on 35th, all about GM Rickon and his approach to trades. So make sure you check those out. And that'll all be also uh, promote those on my Twitter. Thanks to Adam Kaplan
0: for joining us this week. And also some new listeners from Lake Oswego, Oregon, Da Nang, Vietnam and unte baira brazil we have a couple of new listeners from north america asia and south america my friend go out and enjoy the summer if you live in the northern hemisphere if you live in the southern hemisphere southern hemisphere go enjoy the winter be active if you can get some sun in your face be the best that you can be is this becoming some kind of self-help podcast no but I'll be back with a brand new episode of HBP Next Week Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.